Tig here. Between now and the next episode, it's going to be Valentine's Day. So here's a little Valentine's Day gift from yours truly. I know there's a lot of discussion on feelings about Valentine's Day and how it's, you know, the utmost in consumerism and people are like, oh, I'm not falling for this. I show my love for my spouse or my loved ones on a daily basis. And I'm all for that. I think it's great. I just personally love Valentine's Day so much because it is actually the first day that Stephanie and I kissed. And I just also think it's fun to have a reason to celebrate. We always look for some reason. I mean, truly, it's like, oh, it's Flag Day. Great. Let's get a cake. Valentine's Day. Awesome. Let's make a special dinner. And you don't have to like go to a restaurant or buy flowers. You could just pick a flower out of a garden and put it on a table that has a meal that you made for the person you love. So yeah, anyway, I just wanted to share my feelings about Valentine's Day, and I hope everybody has a wonderful Valentine's Day, whether you're single or in love. Valentine's Day can be about anyone, everyone, or yourself. And why not get a present if you do get into the whole consumerism thing? Get tickets to my show. I mean... I'm on tour. You can go to tignotaro.com and find out where I'll be. Fort Myers, Florida, Fort Lauderdale, Tampa, Orlando, New Orleans, Dallas, San Antonio. I mean, it just keeps going. New York City, Chicago, Madison, Wisconsin, Minneapolis, Denver, Houston. Oh my gosh. Honolulu. There are so many places to express your love, okay? Tignotaro.com. Now let's get to the show. I'm not like tooting tooting your horn. <laughs> I think about <laughs> I'm sorry I'm sorry. Why? What the hell was that? <laughs> oh God. I'm sorry. That's graphic. Okay, I'm sorry. Go back to your horn too. <laughs> This is Don't Ask Tig. I'm Tig Notaro. And as Charles Dickens once wrote, ask no questions and you'll be told no lies. But I promise to tell you the truth. My guest today is an actor and comedian who has a leading role in the Sundance hit that I'm also starring in, Together Together. You've also seen her on The Tonight Show, Shrill, and I think you should leave with Tim Robinson. Patty Harrison, it's so good to see you again. Hi, Tig. It's nice to see you, too. <laughs> I'm trying to think when I saw you last. Um, Was it on the film? I have such a bad memory. I do, too. Everything is like tapioca. All the yeah. memories are the little tapioca balls, and all the time in between is the big yellow 
or is it white? You're not old enough to have tapioca memories. It, I, don't, I think everybody's getting the scramble right now. Everyone's okay. getting glazed over. Um, okay. I feel like we've seen each other between that yeah. maybe once, but I don't, I don't know. I haven't gone to like a ton of stuff in lockdown that I'm yeah. like, where would that have happened? Maybe it was just like at the store. At like at a grocery store? Yeah. Or shoe shopping or something? At, at the sh- at the shoe store. I'm sure we <laughs> buy similar shoes. Yeah. Now, you're the youngest of seven siblings. They're all older sisters. Is that right? Uh, yeah. There's Well, there's one older brother, but he's dead, so he doesn't count. And then oh. there's an older sister who's dead, and so she doesn't count either. Oh, my goodness. But there were seven that popped out. Okay. And I'm the last one. First of all, I'm sorry about the loss of your siblings. My family's um, been waiting for you to say that. I know. I always say that when people say they're sorry about my losses. I tell them I blame them for years. <laughs> but um, what was it like for you, being the youngest, being the runt? I think it was nice. I think I benefited a lot from it because my mom was, like, really all over the place. So I credit a lot of my positive structural like parenting to my sisters in a weird way even though they were pretty young there was an age gap I had a sister who was two a little over two years older than me and then my next sister was like 15 years apart about Uh, okay so like everyone was like in their teens and 20s when I was Mm. you know at a formative age and I felt like I got co-parented by like a bunch of people yeah did you like that? Oh, yeah, I loved it. It was, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I didn't benefit from because of that. There were some cons, but I think it was really fun. I remember I just had so many people whose like houses I could go spend the night at on the weekend. And that was always something that I really valued uh, <laughs> as a child was like getting to like see other people's houses. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I was always stuck in just the one. Did you have siblings? I have a brother that I was raised with. We're a year apart. And then I have some other siblings that I was not raised with. But, you know, I didn't go by their houses or anything. What is the relationship with your brother like? Well, we were really close when we were young. And then when we got older, we kind of went in very different directions in life. And then in our adult years, we came back together and we're much closer now. And I was actually just staying with him and his wife in Maine for a few days at their old farmhouse that they redid. Oh, that's so nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, let me say this. Yeah. I know that your your mother was Vietnamese um, or is she, Vietnamese. She still, she is, still yeah. is. Yeah. And then your your dad is not Vietnamese. No, he's white. Okay. Are they going to bleep that? I would hope so. Okay. Anytime we say white on the show, it's bleeped. <laughs> Thank God. Okay. And so they met when your father was serving as an American soldier in the Vietnam War? Yeah. Okay. It is interesting that all this information, I forget what I've like said, mm-hmm. which is like kind of hell. But yeah, that's true. What is the story there behind that, behind the meeting? Well... It's a really, like, kind of a lame gay story. 
mm-hmm. when I think about it. Sounds like my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be, I would dare say it's even lamer and gayer than you. I'll tell you that oh. right now. Okay. It's, <laughs> it's like, my mom said that she was a janitor for my dad's barracks and that she heard him practicing playing House of the Rising Sun on guitar. <laughs> That's how they met. And then they were like, let's have eight kids. Yeah. Well, he was like, I guess she wanted to learn how to play guitar. And then they started like hanging out. And then my mom was like in a pretty horrible living situation, uh, wartime Vietnam. And (laughs) they got married and then she moved to Ohio to live with his family and like a very rural, hilly, mountainy Ohio. Like Mm -hmm. they didn't have electricity or running water at one point and they my mom said she would bathe my dad in like a big steel drum and they would like boil creek water i mean were they not in touch with other people were they just living off the land i don't understand no not not like pioneer style i think at different times they like Uh, were they churning butter is this what we're talking about um I th- I think, I believe so. I believe there was a lot of colonial kind of like LARPing happening because my dad really liked to see my mom in a big bonnet. Well, who doesn't? Yeah. Right? Who doesn't want to see the love of your <laughs> life in a bonnet churning butter? Churning butter. Could you use any advice these days? Could I use advice? Yeah. I think so. Do you want to ask me for any advice? Yeah. Okay. So... I really think I have ADHD. Like I can't focus on anything. I have a really hard time and it's getting to the point that I'm like, you know, dropping the ball on work stuff. I'll forget to put things on my calendar. I'll just like blank on things. And I just want to like really focus as much as I can to try and streamline my life in that way. So I stop falling behind there. So I started to see a therapist um, and then I started to see a psychiatrist and he was like, I, cause I was like, I would really love to get like Adderall or Vyvanse or whatever, like something to help because. Listen, I really need you to get to the point here. Um, well, what see, advice do you need? <laughs> um, well, cause I'm starting to suspect you have ADHD. I lo- I do. It's, yeah. and it's really bad in the pandemic. It's like really, because I'm left to my own devices, I'm at my house Mm -hmm. by myself and now Mm -hmm. I'm I'm steering everything by myself. My psychiatrist doesn't want to medicate me right now. He's like, I want to just like keep talking to you for a little bit. And then when we're sure, then we can move forward. But it's just, it's taking like a really long time, I think. So I'm like, you know, struggling to figure out ways to like, just focus or get myself more task oriented. Mm -hmm. Now this seems very obvious, but might not be to you. Um, How good are you with uh, to-do lists? Um, I do them sometimes. And then I just don't do them a lot of the time, but when I do them, they help. Well, maybe what you need to do is put it in a place that you're going to see it. Okay. Okay make it visible to yourself every day, whether it's like something on your computer or your phone that'll pop up or maybe, you know, by your bathroom mirror. I've been using the phone one. I think putting things on my phone is dangerous. So I'm thinking I'll probably have to do that physically somewhere else in my house. 
Yeah, I would say do a handwritten one so it doesn't get all lost in your phone. And so it's the first thing you see in the morning and you have your list of what you need to do. And then when you complete it, don't erase it. Move it to a completed list so that you can see that you're making progress. Oh, yeah. And that will encourage you to continue. That's really smart. Thank you. Do you do lists? I do. I um I used to be all over the place and then I had a job as an assistant. I was not great at it, but the job taught me how to organize and get things done and I'm sure my old coworkers would not believe that I learned anything from that job, but I did. And I feel like I'm really good now at organizing and multitasking and getting through things moving on to the next. And really part of it has been not erasing what I've done because it really gives me some perspective of what I was able to accomplish. I think that is amazing. Well, don't ask Tig is what they say. (laughs) Do people come to you for advice ever, Patty? Uh, Sometimes. I mean, I've had friends ask me for career advice sometimes or like emotional advice about relationships, but I think not more than anybody else gets asked. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, you may not have been an actual surrogate, but you played one in the movie that we were in together, together. So you've probably already given this first listener's question some thought. Are you ready to hear what this first question is? Yeah, I'd love to hear it. Molly writes, what's it like to have a child via surrogate? My husband and I are considering growing our family. We have one daughter, but we'd like to have more children, but it doesn't seem likely I'd be able to carry a baby to term myself. My wife and I used a surrogate. Oh, wow. Yeah. We have twin five-year-old children that we were very lucky to have the help of a surrogate. I don't know if you have any thoughts or feelings, because I'm sure you were submerged in some level of, you know, the discussion of surrogacy with your movie. Yeah. I mean, in this situation, it kind of seems like you would have the useful, objectively good advice. And then maybe my advice wouldn't really mean almost anything. What I would say about my experience Mm -hmm. playing a surrogate is that it was really, it was really fun. Mm -hmm. It was pretty easy. I got like snacks every day. There was like a crafty table. We got lunch. It was free. I got paid to be there. Yeah. Ed Helms was there. It was so fun because he's like on the office. I was there. You were there in a conkle from Pen15 one day. I'm a huge fan. It was kind of so fun. And then I got to take off the belly at the end every day. I don't know what your experience with the surrogate. It was very different. Ed Helms was not there. Oh, but aren't you like, you guys are buds. Yeah, we're pals. And he wasn't there? But he wasn't there. No. Don't sound like a, a very sturdy friendship, if you ask me. Um, I don't know if it's sturdy, um, but what I can offer as far as having used a surrogate is that, you know, obviously you're going to have to figure out who's, you know, you have to pick the womb. You have to figure out who's going to hatch the egg, and that's quite a process. Stephanie and I were very lucky, our surrogate. We were very, very aligned. She was very open with sharing where she lived and what she ate and all of those things that are so important. And um, I will say it's not cheap. So you have to consider the cost. A lot of times people 
when we say that we have uh, two children, the response is, you know, that they're miracles. And my response is that they were very expensive science experiments, and they're the opposite of miracles, although we love them <laughs> tremendously. But yeah, you have to think about what qualities you're looking for, because you have to trust somebody for nine months. It's a crazy feeling. And we felt so lucky that we had the utmost trust in this person. Did you set out for twins? Well, we wanted twins. In fact, we were open to having triplets. Uh, and everybody was like, you don't want to do that because that, you know. That's circus energy. It is circus energy, but if you know me well, uh, I've got circus energy, okay? <laughs> but, you know, I kind of just felt like I, I love my wife, Stephanie, so much, and we have so much fun together that I just thought, well, I never thought about triplets or even more than one kid, but I would do anything with her. It just, everything sounded appealing with Stephanie. But we've also been told that it can potentially harm the surrogate or the other babies, three babies, it can get dangerous. Oh, yeah. So, um, I mean, one baby can be dangerous, two dangerous, three. Eh. So, um, it's like Octomom. Yeah, except much, much less. But um, listen, Molly, you're going to have to draw up a contract. I'm assuming, I don't know where you live or what the laws are. Listen, the shows don't ask TIG, but I'm just saying we were very lucky in that our surrogate was wonderful, but it's a whole ordeal and it, it is pricey and you want to make sure you trust the person that you go with and that if possible, you have a contract so everybody knows exactly what's going on. So that's what we have to say about surrogacy. Good luck, Good luck growing your family. Good luck. It's a big decision. It is a big decision. Patty is right. I'm taking this advice too. I might, I mean, someday. Yeah, someday. Okay, let's take a break and then we'll return with more listener questions. Hello, Jamila Jamil here. You may know me from my role in The Good Place or from She-Hulk or from social media and my activism. I Way basically started as a social movement and my podcast is one of my truly greatest achievements. It's a podcast against shame and a place for us to have really honest and truly inclusive conversations. I love connecting with people. I love learning. I have a lot to learn and I'm inviting you along with me. On I Way with Jamila Jamil, I have friends, activists, specialists and absolute heroes join me to teach me from their experience and expertise. People like Conan O'Brien, Jane Fonda, Roxanne Gay, Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Byer, Alok, Kelly Rowe, Roland, and more. I Weigh with Jamila Jamil has new episodes out every Tuesday and you can find the show on earwolf.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. You can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Macy's, Sephora, and Zappos. And even stack deals on top of cash back. 
It's easy to use, and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey there, it's Janae Desmond-Harris, a.k.a. Dear Prudence, and I want you to tell me about all your problems. Each week on Slate's Dear Prudence podcast, I'm here to tackle your questions about relationships, sex, work, family, and beyond, all with the help of an expert guest. We'll help you navigate it all, whether you're a teen dealing with parents, an adult looking to spice up your sex life, or you just need some validation that you're not losing it. We're here to listen and to offer some guidance. Need help? Just ask Prudy. New episodes every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Patty, this one is about decoration and motivation. Oh my gosh, I'm so ready to listen. I need some of this advice too. Okay. Letta writes, I wanted to ask your opinion. I have a new home gym and I'm looking to purchase decals for the wall that would be motivating for me when I work out. Can I get your opinion on what kinds of sayings or things I could put up in my gym to help my motivation while I work out? Okay. Well, do you work out, Patty? Not really anymore a lot, no. I just kind of go for walks. Okay. There was a point in lockdown where I was doing it a lot, but that was about two years ago. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, did you have motivational sayings or? Yeah, everywhere, all over my walls. I had big fat heads. You know fat heads? No. They're this big wall decals. You can get a professional athletes and like you can get them of Deadpool. There's big life-size decals for your walls. And a lot of people like, you know, they're marketed towards kids, but you can get them. You can get like adult ones. Okay. All right. And would you recommend this? Oh yeah. I think phrases, there's a ton of phrases that it just, I mean, I don't know Letta personally, so I don't know like what she responds to. You know what I would suggest putting on your wall? How about this? This was your idea. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is all, this was all your idea. Mm-hmm. Don't blame anyone else. You decided to do this. Or um, great job at getting out of the beanbag chair. You think Leda is a beanbag chair? I feel like it. Okay. And they're hard to get out of, by the way. Yeah, and especially if you get one that doesn't have, like, a ton of beans in it. Mm-hmm. And then you're just, your ass is on the floor. Or if it doesn't have a cover and it's just beans on the floor. Oh, that's graphic. Mm-hmm. That's graphic yeah. to think about. I hope that's not her situation. Was that too graphic? No. Well, it wasn't like sexual or violent, but it did, you know, I imagine uh-huh. someone struggling and that's emotional pain and that's graphic to me. To get out of a pile of beans. Yeah. Maybe that could be on the wall. Like you may not be in shape, but at least you know damn well not to get some beanbag chair with no cover. Hmm. That has a ring to it. And then there's and it's italicized. I like that. Thank you. What about this one's for all the burritos you ate last night? 
<laughs> All the burritos? Yeah. I don't just have one. What size? Very small bite size. So, oh, so like, is this like a Totino pizza roll? It's like a mini Snickers. I'm sponsored. So I have to say Totino every time I say pizza roll, if that's okay. I thought you said that after every sentence. Regardless. Totino pizza roll? Totino pizza mm-hmm. roll? Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's has to be true. <laughs> Totino pizza roll. <laughs> uh, what if it was like, look out. Totino pizza rolls. Totino pizza rolls. Well, that would be like really small in parentheses. Mm-hmm. Fine print. But... Look out for what, though? Well, it's just to get your adrenaline, like, fight-or-flight response up. So you're getting amped up to work out to teeny pizza roll. What about, is that a muscle suit you're wearing? You know, you're just, like, pumping iron? I will say it does seem like the point of view of the, like, disembodied brain of the sticker mm-hmm. doesn't really believe that the person has, like, real muscles. Totino pizza rolls. Totino pizza rolls. Implying uh-huh. that their body looks... Like uncanny valley, bizarre. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, now, if I were to be serious, I have to say there was a saying that I saw recently that I really liked, and I would suggest putting that on your wall. And it's everyone must choose one of two pains the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. It's kind of profound. It also seems like it would be on like a a United States military commercial, mm-hmm. the army, goarmy.com to register. I'm also sponsored. Right. But you got to go military sometimes. Yeah. They do have like a lot of discipline with their workout. It's like so important mm-hmm. to them. But it also applies to your to-do list, discipline versus regret. It really is. The motivation part of it is, you know, a lot of the times the, anxiety we have around not doing something or procrastinating about doing something is way worse than the actual stress of doing the thing, getting it over with. Totino pizza rolls. Totino pizza rolls. Go on me. Um, uh, <laughs> I can't tell if we're going to get cash thrown at us or a lawsuit. <laughs> okay, Letta, please put all of those quotes on your wall and send us a picture Also put pictures of us on your wall. Fat heads. Yeah. Patty, I heard that you're a visual artist. (laughs) What? Right? No? I I draw, I guess. I don't know. Continue. Well, it may come in in handy for this next question. Okay. So, I mean, if you draw, isn't that a visual artist? Yeah. Okay. Suzette writes, I'm an artist and I'm active on social media as it has become a primary way to promote my artwork and be a part of a larger art community. The problem is that I feel pressure to create not only art, but content on a regular basis. It feels unnatural. I'm usually creative, but not consistently enough. TikTok recommends three videos a day. Wow. Or I want to paint but not share the process because it can be very distracting. How do I find a balance? I would like to be financially successful as a painter, but sometimes it feels like I've entered a never-ending race and I can't catch up. Are you a big social media person? Unfortunately, yeah. Mm -hmm. You're on TikTok and everything? I am, but I don't really make them anymore. Mm. But I definitely feel 
this question. One, this person is taking advice from TikTok. Three posts a day is insane. I mean, it's TikTok. Of course, it's their company. Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't say 10, but three seems like a lot. Do you do three a day? No. I mean, on Instagram, I post a lot. Mm -hmm. It's addictive. It's embarrassing to say, but it is like an addiction, Mm -hmm. especially if you're like trying to like create stuff. I think Mm -hmm. the little dopamine hits or whatever that you get when someone responds to something that you make kind of like... It's such automatic validation. It's like immediate gratification that I think is bad. I think it really changes your like brain chemistry. For sure. In a negative way. Even the name TikTok, it's like that's the sound of a clock. And that's like... TikTok, TikTok. I'm waiting for your next video. Uh, yeah, it's like you're being timed and time's running out and it's anxiety producing. And it feels like the race and the pressure are, are real. It's easy to feel pressured, to feel competitive or to feel like inadequate. And I think that's just from looking at social media a lot. I think if you step away from it, it takes some time. If you have addict brain like me about it, it's like, oh yeah, if I don't look at my phone for like even a few hours, I already start to feel less stressed about what I'm not doing or what my Mm -hmm. peers are doing or if I'm doing enough or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's really changed, I think, how art is consumed and put out and the expectation of artists. And it also makes artists that aren't necessarily performers have to be public figures on a daily basis. And that's also weird because artists can't necessarily just follow their passion and they have to constantly engage and it just I don't know I heard this Bjork interview what interview Bjork Bjork oh okay she said like if you don't put soul in your music your music will be soulless if your heart isn't what in what you're doing it's going to show in the work so I feel like people are just like pumping out stuff because they feel pressured to do it because of social media that's not going to be their best work I think some pressure can be healthy but I think we're under it we feel under this, we're like in an illusion of constant pressure. And I don't think you actually have to perform to that capacity that we've like imagined we do. You don't. If you feel pressure to post something, you can also post things that aren't your art, things that are art related that aren't, you know, new things from you. That could be something to... Do you mean like... Like say you wanted to, in between your beautiful art or poetry, you wanted to post other people's anonymous military quotes. Mm. You know? They're anonymous military quotes. Yeah, because it's, I don't know who said that, you know, the pain, like you either focus on the hard stuff or you have your regrets. Yeah, I think that's an incredible idea. I would say you know, maybe take the military quotes, make the quotes, the captions to the photo, and then maybe post some screen grabs from American Sniper, like your favorite screen grabs from American Sniper. Or post all of your least favorite screen grabs from American Sniper. Where they could have done better. To Tito's.com. Suzette, Patty knows what she's talking about. She has 166,000 followers on Instagram. All right, Patty, our final question comes from Natalie. Oh, I love that name. I love you too. Natalie writes, is it better to be brutally honest with a partner or are white lies okay to keep the peace? They're going to use the word white again. 
Thank Father. you. <laughs> now, Patty, do you have a partner? I don't. I did. Okay. I we uh-huh. separated a couple okay. of months ago. But I'm sorry. Yeah, thank you. Did you do white lies? I mean, I think I'm in this place in my life right now where I really have been trying to be as honest as possible in past relationships. I'm pretty codependent and like conflict averse. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like politeness is a bane of our society. And I think that people confuse niceness and being kind as the same thing, like being nice and being kind are the same thing. And I don't think that's true. And I think we put so much precedence on like being nice or polite in our society that it actually creates a lot of tension and resentment. It creates like a entirely codependent society where we're all like conditioned to be more codependent than honest. Imagine a society where we're all really honest and we just like, instead of teaching people how to be really polite, we condition people to not take things super personally. I think that would help us in the long run, just like be happier and not be damaged by like the blows of other people, the perceived blows of someone being like, yeah, I don't like your hair or something like that. It's like, you know, that that's them. That's not you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just hard. That's, I think the balance of it all is, is where things get tricky. It's when we have to like figure out who whose opinions we care about and whose we don't. But it's like, you know, I want to know exactly what my partner thinks because otherwise you're filling the gaps with all your speculation And you're not only causing harm to your relationship, you're harming yourself. You're hurting yourself by like spinning these anxiety thoughts about like what could be going on with your partner when if they were honest or if you were forward, you could just ask and they would tell you and then you would not have to worry of wondering what the bad thing is. Well, yeah, it's like being in a conversation and exchange with somebody where you can make a correct assumption that you're both speaking truthfully and saying what's actually happening. I remember when I got together with Stephanie, it blew my mind that when she was saying, no, I want you to tell me when you don't like an outfit that I have on or something, or you think something doesn't look quite right. Or she's like, if something looks weird, please tell me, you know, where I think a lot of people would be sensitive about that and just say, oh yeah, you look great. And Maybe the shoes look a little weird with the outfit. And then Stephanie can take that information and then look at herself and go, you know what? I actually like the shoes. Then I can go, okay, I just would wear a different pair, but awesome. And then that's the end of the conversation. Yeah. It's not like any sort of weird game playing. And that you're like internalizing this Mm -hmm. anger that you're not on the same page and thus being not on the same page means that like a deeper, horrible thing, like you're not meant to be together or something like that. Natalie, we hope our brutally honest answer helped you. It's time for our final segment, Patty. It's called Best and Worst Advice. Okay. What's the best advice you've ever given? I've given? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, on the, huh? You know, I don't know if I can remember anything outside of this immediate past hour. I would say maybe um, I'm finding at this moment in my life, I'm realizing that all of the 
slogans, the really stupid, simple slogans that are like on wooden plaques you buy at like Bed Bath & Beyond or like on Life is Good shirts mm-hmm. that are like really simple that it's like, don't take it personally. Like those things are very true in like a profound way. Where I'm like, wow, yeah, everything is like on other people. So I would say, you know, kind of just the advice that we gave Natalie, it's like, just always be honest. What is the worst advice you've ever given? I don't remember exactly what it was, but I'm sure knowing who I was in like college, I think I was very much someone who's like, if someone's not meant to be in your life, you just stop talking to them. It was kind of just like, you know, probably like telling someone to go somebody because I was pretty conflict avoidant and I would do any sort of gymnastics to rationalize being like, no, it's actually okay not to put that kind of energy into someone else. Like you can actually just like not talk to them and that's in your right and you have no obligation to respond to them. And it's like, well, I'm sure that's, you know, can be true with strangers, but if it's like a loved one, you do have obligations. There's tethers in that relationship. So pretty like, I think I gave a lot of advice from a place of just being conflict averse. You know, I I grew up in a pretty abusive home. So I think that's like something really fun that we gloss over. <laughs> so I do want to say that because I, I, I feel like, and I say that, you know, with a huge smile on my face because I've coped. And what I'm realizing now is everyone's neuroses come from, you know, picking up something unhelpful from their childhood or in their formative years. So I have forgiveness for myself for being that person who was super avoidant and giving bad advice. But it, it still doesn't mean I shouldn't have been working, you know, harder on it. And then I go back and I live in it with a deep, deep, violent regret that I, you know, was not stronger when I was 19 at the bars, being really honest. I was telling a lot of white lies, was giving a lot of bad advice. And I just, I wish I was 19 at that bars, like living my full truth, being super honest and just like my authentic self and being so, so real. All right. Well, guess what? It's the end of the show. But. No, it's the end. But do mm-hmm. you not say what you're worst or would you just have to be saying that every show? Yeah. I mean, probably the worst advice I've ever given is like every episode of this show. There's plenty of terrible moments where I give terrible advice. You know, I can't keep track of that. Oh, so you keep a show going where there's plenty of terrible moments? Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds like shit. It was a pleasure having you, Patty. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm thankful to be here. It's really nice to see you and talk to you. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today. Well, thank you, Tig. I'm a huge fan. I really do thank you for coming on, and I hope that I see you soon. And that's all. And goodbye. Yeah, we'll see you at our, at our spot, the shoe store. Yes, we'll have to find one. Bye. Bye. And as I'm recording this, I'm on Vashon Island right outside of Seattle, and I'm making the rounds across the country on my Hello Again tour. Don't leave me hanging. Come say hello to me, to my face. Tickets are at tignotaro.com. I'll see you soon.
Don't Ask Tig is hosted by me, Tig Notaro. It's produced by Thomas Willette, Shana Deloria, and Ryan Lore. Our executive producer and editor is Beth Perlman. Engineering and sound mixing by Johnny Vince Evans and Eric Romani. Digital production by James Napoli. Talent booking by Marianne Ways. Production support from Pizza Shark. Our theme music is Friend and Tig by Edie Burkell and Kyle Crusham. And Listen to Your Heart by Edie Burkell. Special thanks to Hunter Seidman. APM Studios executives in charge are Lily Kim, Alex Shafford, and Joanne Griffith. Concept developed by Tracy Mumford. Our executive consultant is Dean Capello and Gobsmack Studios. You can always ask for advice at don'tasktig.org. Just write in with your problem or send us a voice memo. Remember to follow us on social media at Don't Ask Tig. Don't Ask Tig is a production of American Public Media. And as always, thanks, Dana. And I'll tell Becky. I'm stand-up comedian and sex symbol Tig Notaro. And I'm actor and writer Cheryl Hines. Before Cheryl and I got into the big business of podcasting together, (laughs) we were just simply friends. And we're still friends. But now we talk about a different documentary every week on our podcast, Tig and Cheryl, True Story. So whether you love documentaries or just want to hear us slowly lose our minds, check out Tig and Cheryl, True Story, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, cool. (laughs) 